Coming up on a Friday mailbag, we answer your fan questions from TPE and MLE targets. What could be the breaking point for GM Sean Marks and provide a little more insight around some free agent point guard targets. We break it all down next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He is the owner-operator of DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Marbrick, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And let you know that you can download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. For $20 off your first purchase, that's last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. And Doug, for the first time in a long time, we're going mailbag, baby, and we got some juicy ones from the fans. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people rang in with a bunch of different stuff. Happy to, like, excited to get into it because it definitely covers a decent amount of, you know, some to some degree, some smaller aspects of the Nets um off season, but really important pieces here too. Like uh, just things that we haven't covered in full episodes yet. Which so uh, really appreciate everyone that threw in mailbag questions. We'll be doing these more consistently through the summer, uh, and we'll start rolling through them because there's uh, there's some cool stuff here, buddy. We'll kick it off with some TPE conversations. If you don't know, the Brooklyn Nets have 18.1 million that they got in the Kevin Durant trade. This question came in, by the way. Shout out to Biff Johnson. It's a double down, man. I like the name, and I also appreciate the at Brogressive handle on Twitter. He just wanted we to all, know real quick, yeah. just just as another shout out. We we did get like a few different TPE ones. Um, there was another one that was sent to my specific uh, Twitter. I. I don't think by network standards I could read this guy's Twitter name out, but <laughs> I just <laughs> I just want to let you know that he wasn't the only one to do it. It's there's a verb and then there's a um, an adjective in it and then there's a bunch of numbers. So um, sure. so that, that's that's how it's gonna roll. So not the only there's a few that want to want to know about the TPE thing here. Yeah, and this is always like a really big talking point in the offseason. The Brooklyn Nets always have something to work with. Last year they let some ones fall by the wayside. Uh, GM Sean Marks. And I think the interesting thing about this is we'll talk about some specific mechanics, not only on TPEs, but also the MLE as well, because the Nets do have uh, money to work with there. Some of it, large portion of it coming in from the Kyrie Irving trade to Dallas. But there's a high level thing that I think we need to address here. And, I, and when we close out this portion of the conversation, I'm going to mention some mechanics to this that matter in the long term. But a lot of people throw out names because the numbers are there. Some people yeah. come really close, like saying DeJounte Murray from the Atlanta Hawks, who, by the way, 18.2 and change million. That means it's above, right? So there's guys that don't quite get there. But even at the high level, you can't just look at the numbers because for the Brooklyn Nets specifically, they are not a team that is going to the market with the TPE and saying, not only can we bring in a player, a high caliber player, we're also going to attach substantial assets. So I think you know, the framework of this for me, when we talk about targets, is reminding everyone if the Nets can spend the money, great. But they're not they're not going to sell their future, I don't believe in this short-term moment right now. Do you agree with that as the premise around these? Yeah, and like and as an example, I'm Murray and you can't combine assets to like get above the TP too. It's got to fall under just to point out what you're saying. So like even a dollar yeah. over, I don't think it gets there. And like 
other team, just because you make that money doesn't mean the other team is just willing to give up those guys, even if there was like significant assets attached, like a DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray. Like the Hawks aren't moving on from him. another good example of a guy like this would be like Laurie Markinen, right? Markinen makes 17.3 million, but the Jazz might be just be building around him. Like you can't start yeah. throwing and and it's not like yes, every guy that is under the 18 million qualifies as being available to acquire with the TB, the traded player exception. But that doesn't mean the other – it takes two to tango here. Like, the other team has to be willing to do it, too. And there's hey, not, I got the and, cash, but he can hand it over. <laughs> exactly. So it's just, like, not realistic all for all – like, for everybody that – like, OG Ananobi, 17.4. Like, we know – Nailed it. This isn't just going to be, like, a, an offloading situation, even with significant assets. So I just want to, like – I think we're just both trying to qualify this as, like, yeah. who are realistic targets. So there was one interesting thing right now, obviously NBA playoffs, Eastern conference, Boston Celtics, maybe one more loss away from asking real questions about like where their franchise currently stands. And this, by the way, this is just a good reminder. Cause I got excited. I was like, well, you know what? Derek white, 29 years old. The money's almost, Oh, sorry. Almost good. 18.3. So you're, you can't go after that guy. And he's not even a high profile player or a guy that really maxes out from a dollar standpoint. And I want to make sure I'm, it looks like, by the way, when Doug raises an eyebrow mid-conversation, there's a good chance that he's fact-checking me on the back end. So he'll go ahead and let me know. Uh, I think he does qualify. I, I um, We'll go back to him for in a second. Yeah. And, okay. and, and sorry, because so, sometimes there's a rigmarole of like what, where the numbers are for these guys. I actually think White does qualify. Keep going, though, because we'll go through Even some of these better. other. We'll go through some of these other. Yeah, because yeah. if he does, then then I'm excited about the 55, 38, 88 line that he runs and the fact that he has great defensive upside, a 107 uh, defensive rating for, for Derek White. But and I used him as the example of looking around the league for teams that are going to be in a state of flux, potentially right teams that are going to be saying, hey, we're not the version of ourselves we thought we were, which means having money allocated in certain spots doesn't feel as healthy right now. Other players that have been brought up and certainly were thrown out there, and one guy that definitely falls underneath it is a player like Colin Sexton, a year removed from his injury in Cleveland. You know, is he palatable at 17.5 and then moving to 18.3 and 19.1 two years out, two and three years out? Is he the does that model of player make sense to you when you look around the league and think about guys that fall underneath that range? Yeah, you said Sexton, right? Sorry, I'm going to qualify, yeah. qualify one thing about White. If, if, if it was traded before July 1st, then it would, oh, he would okay. qualify, and then and then it's afterwards, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, he, he there's a there's a line of demarcation um with this. Right. Thing. Okay, so yeah, with Sexton, yeah. So Sexton um is interesting, right? As a kind of guy like fits sort of around the age curve. Um, wouldn't be the worst guy in terms of just like on ball scoring that the Nets really lacked. Um has never made a pass in his life. So I'm not sure Nets fans would love that. <laughs> right. So like I, it, it really does kind of make you wonder about like what the Nets Sexton's an interesting guy, actually, to think about what the Nets actually truly need going forward. Like, do they right. need more on ball scoring and, and more shot creation? I can make a case for that. Do they need more sort of connectivity and like sort of ball movement and spacing and everyone fitting into like the singular flow? He wouldn't fit into that, I, but like, right. so then there's like two different versions of the Nets. I think that the kind of player they need, they really just actually need offensive creation. So I, yeah. So Sexton, I think would be that kind of guy. I do think he f- sort of falls into that, like Mark in an area of, I don't think the jazz would be willing to, are, are, aren't looking to offload this right, right. now. So, but the I don't know. Ones- I think that's, that's another discussion though. Cause I think Sexton offers like this, you know, sort of, if this, then that kind of sort of, sort of guy. I've gone down the road on uh, Yusuf Nurkic before. I won't do it here today, friends. Oh, Don't worry. We'll save that for another time. Adam but talks about, real quick where... about Yusuf Nurkic. I know I'm going to derail this. Adam talks yeah. about Yusuf Nurkic like, off the pod when we're sitting around 
where other people aren't interested in basketball at all. And he's like dropping eight minutes of Yusuf, <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic talk around the dinner table and people, other people's eyes are glazing over. So this is just like, there's a lot of Nurkic, not mine, by the way, I'm fully invested, but like other people. <laughs> <laughs> other people that barely are interested when I do the 20 minutes on the Brooklyn Nets and how they can improve themselves. That being the case, though, um, I do want to touch on something because I recircled up with Jackson Gatlin. We'll get that to here in a minute. I know you have some additional information around the MLE specifically, but I do want to remind people, too, to turn our attention there and feel free to throw out another name if you had one. But one reason that we talk about Sean Marks doesn't use some of the the exceptions last year. Hey, why isn't he pulling the trigger on this stuff? If the Brooklyn Nets were to use the TP and the MLE this offseason and also re-sign Cam Johnson, someone we'll talk about in the back end of this episode, they would end up being up near $195 million in salary. They would hit the repeater tax. They would end up spending money like they were spending when they had superstars. And that was palatable at the time because there was an expectation that you could go be a championship level team. So, you know, letting these things kind of pass does then put you in a better situation going into the following offseason where you can actually have salary cap to work with and some different opportunities to target certain players. So I think it's always a good reminder that spending money, even, quote, free money with, with TVs and MLEs, does still cost you at some point going forward. Yeah, like it's and and this is the other reason, like that it might it probably won't all be used, right? Like so, yeah. while there are other guys that do qualify here, I, I just think that like there's a lot of times these trade ex- I think these trade exceptions are complete are so overrated in terms of like what people think they're getting in terms of like assets, but it's not an asset, but like in terms of like functional, you know, sort of team building movement. I, I think they're they're just so overrated. I like they're used every once in a while, but not, not often for guys that you really care about. I mean, to some degree, the mid-level exception falls into the same category. It's like, it sounds amazing because it's got its own special name, but like <laughs> beyond that, it's That's not, what it is, dude. Put a little but it really is. That. I honestly, but beyond that, it's like some teams have used it really wisely and, and, and really hit some home runs. If you look at a list of, of MLE guys from last year, it's like, mostly duds <laughs> i could go through a couple of them here but like do you agree with me though i think these things sound amazing to fans it's like oh we got this traded player exception like we have this mid-level exception guy it's like when you look at the actual thing that happens around these guys it's pretty uninteresting anyway Especially i know i'm a huge bummer with this stuff no no listen it, well look, you, you bounce me out somehow right otherwise i'll go, go completely up the rails on episodes like this the mle specifically let's just touch back in on that here in a second and because I, I will answer your question about do people get overexcited about a $7 million player potentially? And then I do want to get into a potential use of the TPE that gets a little bit more costly, but also a bit more exciting. All right, before we get into that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. Look, when you're going to a live event, sports, concerts, theater, whatever you want, the excitement should be around going to the thing. It shouldn't be around the stress of getting, finding, and buying the ticket. This is where game time has you covered. Buying tickets for your favorite event shouldn't be stressful at all. It should be fast, easy um, for all everything you want. Sports, music, comedy, theater, and more. Game time is killer deals on last-minute tickets. The best price guarantee so you can stop stressing about tickets and just start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you go on game time right now, maybe you're checking out Philly's Mets. They got that up there right there. 
Taylor Swift up there on game time oh, coming to baby. MetLife here over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, some of these, I mean, it's just this is the real deal. Billy Joel, MSG over there in June. It's all in game time right now. Uh, all you got to do for game time, you go to game, you go to the game time app, you create an account, use the code locked on MBA. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms are apply. Terms will apply again. Create an account and redeem the code locked on MBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. You had me at Taylor Swift. Okay. So before we, I would do want this list here, but to answer your question about the MLE, and then obviously we're table here for this all season and some big narratives on our Friday mailbag edition of the episode of our podcast, I should say. We're going to get into some other topics here around Sean Marks and around free agent targets as well. But on the MLE, you asked, do, do people get overexcited, especially with the MLE? Yes, because usually what that is, I'm hoping this list backs it up, by the way, is like a list of guys that got paid all right and were kind of a functional player for a team. And then they moved on from him. And it's the money isn't so costly that another team doesn't go. Yeah, sure. I'll throw an MLE at that and see if he helps us a little bit, right? It does feel like these guys end up being the shuffling of the chairs on the Titanic as opposed to the ladder to the helicopter that hoist you to a whole other stratosphere. For sure. Now, look, I'll, I'll get, I'm not going to read the whole list here, but like there are definite, these are the guys, these are the, the MLE guys from last year, right? So the ones like, that prove our point. Uh, well, which one? That, that it's good or bad? <laughs> that it, that it. <laughs> That, yeah, that, that that the MLE in general is not a great, as good as you think it's going to be. Okay, look, it can be great. Like, I'll give an example. It comes from the Nets' own neighborhood. Bruce Brown got signed to the MLE um, in uh, in Denver, and he's been, like, a critical part of their, like, core seven guys. They're going to the NBA Finals. So it clearly has, like, its roots in it can work. Then there's, like, Gallo. He got hurt. Uh, Bulls used Andre Drummond, whatever, you know, kind of did stuff. Not really. Ricky Rubio for the Cavs was totally a dud. JaVale McGee for the Mavericks, pretty much a dud. I said Bruce Brown. Dante DiVincenzo played real minutes for the Warriors. That's a, that's a good one. I'm going to skip some of these other guys. Like, John Wall, nothing. Uh, Lonnie Walker basically was benched, you know, did put in functional minutes. Caleb Martin, uh, the Heat's like best player, better than Jimmy, <laughs> better than Jimmy Butler, like 80% true shooting in this series against. So he's there, but then you get like Joe Ingles, you know, Caleb Houston, but then there's PJ Tucker, Kyle Anderson. So it, what my point is, it's like, there are real guys on here, Malik Monk, like there are real guys, but there's also it's 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 just totally hit or miss, right? And so, right. look, is it better? Is it more good than bad? Eh, it's probably, but it's rarely a guy who's like altering the course of your of your team, right? It's right. like, did they give you good functional minutes? The smart teams are going to find these guys, and you know some of the bad teams aren't, right? And like that's kind of where it lands. So anyway, it's it's nice to get excited about, and I wouldn't like pin my season hopes on signing just the right guy with the MLE. If the Nets 100%. do it all, which they might not, which they might not. They didn't do it last year. You know what I mean? So I don't, I'm, we'll see. Now, what I would say is to touch back in on a friend of the show. I, I bet probably fan of the show too. And that's Jackson Gatlin from Locked on Rockets. You had the great crossover with him talking about bigger, juicier, bolder trades. Um, on the TPE, I just started, I'm sniffing around this idea of it. And I, you know, you got James Harden. He's going to go back to the Rockets. What do things look like there? And I sent Jackson a DM and just had a little exchange about, where does the team stand on him? And he's mostly he's a pet product for them. They believe in him. He thinks that they're higher on him than they should be. And I, I, I threw out this trade, which involves some capital. And I want to ask, I want to get your opinion on it. If the Brooklyn Nets said, Houston, we'll give you Dorian Finney-Smith 
and the 21st overall pick in this year's NBA draft for Kevin Porter Jr. First, would you do that if you're on the Brooklyn side of things? And what do you think Jackson Gatlin's response was to that offer? He snap called it, right? Like that was an instant yes from him. I would yeah. never do he that. Said, he, said, uh, he said instant yes. And he said, and yeah. the Rockets probably an instant no. Like organizationally an instant no. But if he was in that position, he would do it in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, I, I that was that feels like a total no brainer. I, and by like, the way, uh, for, for, um, for the 15, Rockets, I would never want to do it. I like forward for the uh, for the for his contract, you know, fifty million next year. So he falls. Yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in doing that. Really, um, he's super young. There's been yep. you know differing reports around the locker room stuff with him. Mm-hmm. He's shown flashes. I watched a lot more Rockets than I thought I was going to this year. Um, and he is if you he he can be a frustrating guy to watch. <laughs> like sure. he, he is. Um, it's very on ball. It's very, it can be like, he takes some terrible shots. I know why people dream on it. He's had, he made the, the, the salary is about to get to like 18 and change. I don't know. I, I would say no, I can, I know why Jackson said yes. Um, I, I don't think I would want to do that. I, I just don't want to set out first round picks for a guy like this. Uh, that's mostly it. Well, and it's interesting too, because the last little, the last little note on him is like also in the idea of a player like a Dorian Finney Smith. Now he represents one or maybe two first round picks values, depending on where he is right now, but he's also a guy, the Nets, or at least as a Nets fan base, you want to see the Nets move on from, right? So there is a little bit of a both and here because you clear 13 million in salary. You take a chance on a guy that if he had a, a really good season or maybe a one good season, even you could turn right around and maybe find another suitor for him and then increase the, the value there. That being the case. The other one I want to make sure we touch on, which moves away from the TPE and MLE discussion and into free agent point guard targets. You'll shout out the man who gave us this question here, which was what are the reasonable targets for the Nets to help improve this team? We both came to the same player, which at a minimum is just fascinating for the journey he's been on. Yeah, uh, a couple quick shouts because we did have a few of these uh, point guard questions. Clash uh, threw it in there. I'm not going to read the whole question, but it was basically centered around point guard. Uh, Dan Leahy, BK Way, um, he threw it out there too. So um, those shout out for the uh, sorry, not to interrupt you. Shout out for the Girl Scout cookies because I put in my order and those got delivered last week. They were delicious. Go Go ahead. Yeah, so these guys were wondering about point guards, and I and I understand why Nets fans would want to think about point guards. This is another really interesting situation where the Nets are in. Um, let me just before we get to like the guys out there, I, I mm-hmm. will say the easy answer to this is like there's two point guards on this roster right now, <laughs> right? That, <laughs> in theory, in yeah. theory that the Nets have. One is yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie, who was among the league leaders in assists to close out the season. Um, I, I know we sort of forget that because the the playoff run against the Sixers was like particularly bad. I would, I would say that was like a singularly bad matchup for his skills, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in terms of like sort of getting to the rim and, and, and whatnot. Um, recency and bias get, on that final, the recency bias right? on him will have you forget that like, the, again, the end of the season for this guy, this guy was like James Harden, then him in terms of most assists per game in the league over like the last month or something. And then, Drew ben Smith. Simmons oh, is also <laughs> what? What would you say? <laughs> Drew, Drew Smith. <laughs> yeah, Drew Smith. Sorry, uh, David Duke Jr. No, the yeah. um and Ben I Simmons know. in theory is like a point guard connector on this team too. So like, but I also can understand why people would be like, "Hey, what are we doing up about point guard?" Because it can very much feel like the this yeah. is a it can very much feel like this is a position in need for the Nets. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I think, by the way, when I did the previous episode of setting the table with the premise of this is your core going forward uh, with Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nicholas Claxton, I mentioned the fact that, 
Yes, I understand that there's $40 million occupied by Ben Simmons, but we live in the world where you can't depend on him. And that's what the sample size tells you, which is what makes you look around the league and just say, what is a reasonable target to go after potentially? And let's say, you know what, on our mailbag Friday, because we knew this was going to be juicy. One last break here. We come back on the other side. We'll reveal that mystery veteran point guard talent that actually really could be the right character and functional piece for this team, depending on price. All right, before we get to that, got to talk to you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. If you've heard the excitement in my voice talking about Bird Dogs over the last couple of shows where we've been talking about this brand, it's only because it's real, man. I'm wearing the Bird Dogs right now. They sent them in the mail, got a couple of pairs. They are as comfortable as they will get with shorts. They fit perfectly. They're super versatile. They got the inner lining, so you can basically just rock them any way you want. Um, golf course, beach, going out to like, like a sort of like a casual restaurant where you throw in the pants too. And those are going to cover you for just about everything. Bird dogs is where it's at these things. I've never, I just really can say this without like pause. I'm not going to be wearing any other shorts this whole summer. (laughs) Like that's it. Point stop. Bird dogs has done it. Thank you very much. These are things are on lock around the Nori waste. All you got to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA you enter the promo code locked on NBA. They're going to throw in a custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. Grab the shorts, grab the pants. It's all there. Honestly, just go to the website for some laughs because some of the names of, of their, uh, of their products, even those alone are just going to get you going. Like I said, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA code locked on BA. Get that tumbler, get the shorts, get the pants. It's all there. Bird dogs, baby. Okay, closing out our Friday mailbag edition and reminding you, because it is, well, the Nets effective offseason right now, we're going to try to carry this over week over week. So as the draft is approaching next month, send in the prospects that you want to hear about. Ask us your questions because we'll go ahead and circle up at the end of the weeks every time that we get a good handful of them. Quite frankly, we know the Locked On Nets fan base is going to provide those. Drum roll and reveal the point guard on the end of our lips and on the minds of every Brooklyn Nets fan. Russell Westbrook. This is fascinating, Doug. Yeah. Be- I, we're going to get into it. You know, we're, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but it is fascinating that uh, that ahead of this recording, we also got news that the GM for the Clippers is moving on to sunnier Washington Wizards pastures, which does open up a different outlook of what the Clippers might do going into next season and this offseason, as opposed to where they could stand now. So Westbrook is so funny. Because obviously, super polarizing guy um, has had a crazy last few years. No version of me would ever have entertained this as a realistic possibility. But I will say about Westbrook that, and we've said this on the previous podcasts. And you stop me if I if I do myself dirty here because I think I know exactly what I'm going to try to say here. But there's a chance you're going to need to clarify it for me. <laughs> so much of the Westbrook vitriol. Well, there's two things. One, the fit with the Lakers was bad, but mostly it was because he was paid so much money. It's, it's kind of like the Simmons issue, too. It's like we can feel you start feeling different ways about players when they make so much and inhibit your team from doing other things. Right. If you make forty two million dollars a year and you are not one of the 10 best players in the league, your team is probably in pretty big trouble. <laughs> right. So so the money is actually what affects the overall opinion of the player. That is over for Russell Westbrook. He does not make that money anymore. That contract is done. And we saw with the Clippers, he is a flawed player for sure. But he is a floor raiser, and he is a very energetic guy, 
And if you are a team that is still just trying to win basketball games in the regular season with really no hope of winning the championship, a la the Brooklyn Nets, there are there are worlds where it kind of does make sense at the right at the right number. I'm actually fascinated to see what his free agency is going to look like if he were to not go back to the Clippers, because what he did in the playoffs for them was at least show you that like he can, he's, he, he still should be in the NBA. Like there was like, Hey, should Russ go like overseas? Like that was talk. But again, it was only tied to the contract. It was the contract. That was it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we did a poor job of going back to last season, not that it mattered. I mean, there was a moment when it was the Kyrie Irving to the Lakers trade and then talking about taking back Russell Westbrook. I think we and we ended up covering it, but there was a point where I think we stopped short of just saying, like, listen, the reason that we're talking about Russell Westbrook the way that we are has nothing to do with his play, per se, and that can be viewed as good or bad, had everything to do with the price tag associated with it. So to your point, man, and, and, and by the way, there were stretches, let me just be clear here, too. You mentioned the Lakers. It was horrible with the Lakers, right? There yeah. are different versions of Russell Westbrook that have looked good or bad. He needs to function in a very specific way. There's certain systems it's not going to look good in. But the world where Russell Westbrook is no longer viewed by championship-level teams as being a viable player to pursue does open up the nets and that level of team that says, but this guy, for his character, right, his basketball drive, like what he wants to do, He'll give you every ounce of him. Like, I think that you could look at him and say he's the exact type of model of player and personality that you would love to plug into this locker room, bring some of that dog and fight mentality. The question really becomes, is it 10 million? Is it 20 million? Is it, you know, like what is that number that his market develops at? Because then it does become, it becomes very intriguing to me for the Nets to take a look at him. If that type of opportunity would excite him, Hey, you get to take a team that's a fringe edge of the edge of the back end of the playoffs and maybe upset somebody in the first round, right? Maybe go up against some former superstar teammates and get to make some noise at the back end of your career. If you believed that the Westbrook who believes he's the best player on the court and he's the <laughs> team's number one option is gone, right? If you if if, yes. if that's out of his system, which which there was flashes of that of that uh, Clipper series where that did seem to be the case, right? Where it's like right. I'm here to just help us win by hook or by crook, right? Mm -hmm. Like. And it's not just like the rush show, you know, and, and, and he's going to have insane usage and he's going to like, you know, be, you know, go chasing triple doubles and all that stuff. Like if you knew confidently and maybe like, Hey, no, another big contract coming through the door starts to reset some of that mentality. Right. It's like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a max player anymore. Like the market for me is a little smaller than I thought it was going to be. Right. If but you want to deal, that's what I mean. If you thought there was like a different version of him coming through the door, then, sort of like the problematic Russ at times, then yes. Like you have to be really confident about that. So I really have to qualify this thing. But I yes. will say my opinion of this changed. One, the second the money came off the books. Two, the second you saw him go into the situation, he's like, I'm not Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Paul George didn't play in that series, but it's like, like he was fun to watch. Like he yeah. wanted to beat Durant bad. He wanted to beat Chris Paul bad in that series. Yeah. If you thought that was sustainable for like a whole season and you thought like some of the problems that, that had sort of plagued him from a team basketball perspective and from like a, a organizational building perspective were gone, then yeah, like floor spacing around Russ, like, you know, um, high pick and roll, like in, and barreling to the basket, like with Claxton and stuff, like I can see it working. I, I'd be really interested in what people are going to say in the comments about that because yes. And believe me, this is like from a non-Russ guy. Like I, I, 
I never would have said this, but there's the situation here has changed. Like there's just new information. Always be willing to have your mind changed on something. Otherwise you're dead in the water. Okay. Listen, this is basically the conclusion of our Friday mailbag episode, but we wanted to close out with something fun that tied into our last discussion, which was around one cam Johnson and the impending contract that the Brooklyn Nets hope to sign with them. I put it out on both Twitter and YouTube and got like a solid amount of responses. And I teared it out in a very specific way. What is too much? And to, just to frame it here for you, we asked, is there a point where the Nets cannot afford to overpay Cam Johnson, Cameron Johnson? Over 18 million, over 20 million, over 22 million. And across Twitter and YouTube, the resounding response was, and I don't, it doesn't even matter about the over 22, because you could say 28 million, whatever high number you want to put there. 50% on Twitter, 50% over on YouTube as well. Would not either go over 18 or not go over 20. Do you find it surprising? And by the way, the rumored starting point is that $18 million kind of range. And then who comes in on the market? Are you surprised by that response from fans? Knowing that that means 50% are saying, hey, 22. And I even got a couple of comments that said, why not a higher number, 23, 24? It doesn't matter. Half of the fan base in our sample size says I wouldn't go over 18 or 20 million. And if that's where the fan base stands, that means that half the fan base is going to be disappointed because I don't think that Cam Johnson is coming back on an 18.5 starting you know, salary here in the upcoming season. And I'm assuming this is over like, what, like four years or something like that? Like, uh, I don't maybe Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll that. average it out and it'll escalate. But, you know, initial year is going to be 18. And you'll, you'll say it's 18, you go to 20 and 22 and beyond that over a four-year contract. It was kind of more the years that, that kind of scared me than the actual dollars um, mm -hmm. to some degree. Um, just because dollars in the short term, like, aren't as bad as, like, years out if you're trying to build something. So, you oh, know, by the way. Let me, let, let's do another double down here. I've been doing this bit of interrupting on Doug this episode. Really happy about that. Um, some other fans responded on YouTube from our previous episode on Cam Johnson. Coming after your, yours truly there, uh, the Dougster, saying like you, you're referencing Cameron Johnson and his age, but like up to 31 years old, that's not necessarily, that's not old by NBA standards. It doesn't, you know, can it be bad depending on how the player performs? Certainly. But I thought really what it triggered for me was like the opinion of how you look at Cameron Johnson and what you think his growth is, right? Because if you think that he's stagnated at, at the, close to what he is right now, well, three years from now, it is going to be a bummer if you're paying him $26 million. If you think he can take a little incremental step forward, then I don't necessarily have the same issue with 22 or 23, 24, $25 million over three or four years. Wait, we're saying that 31 years is old. 31 years not is, old. is like 27, I mean, 28, 29, 30. Like that's the prime of M but that's the prime of NBA careers is more of the point. Like when you get to 31 to 32, depending on the type of player you are, superstars break this mold. But like those are your those are your prime seasons. And then at 32 and you know, at 32 or 31, even let's say, that's where you could start to see some of that drop off come into effect. But there's some pretty solid sample sizes of guys that you know live through their peak and then start to taper off where I would say, hey. If you told me that he's going to be 32 in the final year and then going up to 33 on a new contract, that would be more concerning than maybe where he sits right now. I don't know where people, I, uh, sorry, I just have to like disagree with something. Like, okay. who, who, where has it ever been stated that like 30, your eight year peak is like 26 to 28, like I, like 29. It's not, it's not in the 30s. I, 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 everyone, this is like, 
I, I just have to really push back against this thing where like you hit your peak and prime. Yeah, that's curious. Yeah. Year. That's why I want like, to that's like oh, nice to for out. most guys, that's like their tenth year. Like good players, that's like their tenth year in the league. That's when these guys are hitting their prime. That's just not true. Like so, you're um, Johnson, and you didn't get into the league until you're almost twenty five. Well, <laughs> I, they, I said that last episode. That does yeah. different. But I, the, whoever's saying that prime is thirty one, uh, it's just you're incorrect. I, I sorry, like that's not correct. It's like yeah. twenty six to twenty eight, maybe twenty nine. That's like for good players who come in the league at like, you know, nineteen twenty. that's like their seventh or eighth season. Uh, that's, that's about where it is. Now you're not saying you can't be good, but like, right. Right. Yes. Like you can be good, but I, I really, I'm just, I'm just, I don't usually like to do this, this, this vehemently, but like I'm pushing back. That is not correct. That you are not in your prime in your age 31. See the list of guys uh, real quick, real quick. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, now I'm all fired up here. Are the th- here's some 31 year olds that are in the NBA right now. Okay. Um, I'm going to, the list isn't that long, actually. <laughs> um, Michael Carter Williams. Whoops. TJ McConnell. Nope. Kyrie Irving. Uh, okay. We see where that's going. Tim Hardaway Jr. Doug McDermott, Chris Middleton, Joe Harris, Rodney Magruder. By the way, I'm not picking and choosing here. I'm like just giving like the better names on the list. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, um, Corey Joseph, CJ McCollum. Like, are there any of these guys in their prime? Like, no, like these guys are way past every single one of these guys is way past the prime. Again, I'm not leaving off. I'm, I'm giving the best guys on the list. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I could be giving the Tristan Thompson's and the Terrence Ross's and the Will Barton's and the Greg Monroe's of the world. Like 31 years old you could. is You're not, not going to list those guys. You could, I'm not going not to, I could do that. I'm not going to, yeah. no, it's not your prime. So please stop. That's, that's ridiculous. You're paying <laughs> a guy paying cam Johnson this much money into his age 31 season. That's old. So point stop. Ladies and gentlemen, that right there is what you call a Friday mailbag episode. And you can get more of this next week. If you go ahead and fill up the coffers, I don't know, try to find a way to frame examples of guys that you think are in their prime at 31 years old into a question. If you form it into a question, then we'll have no choice but to address it next week. This has been a lot of fun, though, and we always appreciate everyone that gets involved in this. So hopefully you want some spicy Doug. You got to dial it up here, friends. I had a blast. I mean, that might be the maddest I've ever been on the show. <laughs> like, yeah. like we've by, been the doing way, by the way, just to be clear, <laughs> when I read the comments from YouTube, I was like, let's go ahead and check that off here. Going to bring that up at the right moment of the podcast. And I think we're going to have some fun. I mean, the Kevin Durant era, the Kyrie Irving thing, the James Harden stuff, the Ben Simmons stuff, the Nash firing, the Atkinson firing, all of it. Nothing got me I'm more scared. mad than someone saying age 31 was someone's NBA prime. That's it. Well, we did it folks. I'll never get more angry. Okay. We're going to get out of here. Much appreciate everyone that threw in questions. We are going to hit the draft very hard next week. Um, sure. And going in, we're going to try to hit uh, a lot of players. that are going to fall into the nets range. Going to be watching a lot of tape um, going through a bunch of mock drafts and stuff like uh, that's, it's not gonna be every single episode, but it's gonna be a lot of stuff here from now through, through the draft. want to make sure we kind of touch on, basically every reasonable guy that could fall into the Nets range. Um, and that's the goal. So make sure you hit on that. Talking NBA finals as well. And anything else that comes up with Nets world, make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Nets at YouTube. Leave some comments, good or bad. It's all good. We'll dress them on the show or maybe we'll freak out again. Uh, much appreciated. <laughs> as long as it's all of us, we can do anything. That's Rick Grimes. Oh, Walking Dead, one of the all-time great poets. We will be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.